from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Let's do it. 12 o'clock hour. Devontae Adams on the ground here in Las Vegas. We'll hear from Devontae in a little bit. Press conference. Everyone's freaking out. Freaking out for the 5 o'clock hour, including our own Ari. Welcome to doing live radio, baby. Welcome to doing live radios. We're uh, turning things around, moving and shaking, and he is very grumpy today. But he did just give out some tickets to Megadeth. We'll have tickets later this hour for uh, another concert, so stick around towards the back end of the hour. Adam Candy is here on this Tuesday. He's the company. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Andy, have you heard me refer to one of our remote techs, producers, Danny, as Dangerous Danny? No, I haven't heard that, but I'm very curious to know more because I'm familiar with Danny, but I was not familiar with his danger. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's dangerous. He's dangerous. He's actually a great Twitter follow, but he does have a habit of getting after uh, local businesses, which, uh, you know, when you're in radio and we're fighting and scrapping for uh, every piece of advertising we can get, sometimes Ari will read it and then text me and he's like, ah, oh, Dangerous Danny's at it again. He doesn't like Durango Lodge. He doesn't get that one. Oh, now he's mad about Caesars parking. Like, okay, here we go. I don't think this is true, Dangerous Danny territory. I think it's just an attempted at humor. I don't know if it's funny or not. I don't know if he stole this from Carlos Mencia. But he tweeted out this morning that best business idea ever for a restaurant is Korean barbecue. Well, there goes the Korean barbecue clients. Anyway, uh, he said they don't have to take food orders. They charge 30 to $40 a person, sometimes more, and they make customers cook their own food. Accurate, funny, Loss of every Korean barbecue joint in town for our account executives. Your take on this. Dangerous Danny needs to understand that Korean barbecue is both fun and delicious. And if he can't appreciate that, then there's a McDonald's right down the road that he can get his filet of fish sandwich at anytime he wants. You and Dangerous Danny can go post up at the Golden Arches and get yourselves some old man food while adventurous eaters like me and Ari go down to Korean barbecue and get ourselves some delicious food. By the way, if you don't want to cook it, don't go there because that is one of the privileges of Korean barbecue. Do I want that meat done exactly the way I want it done or do I want to trust the guy in the kitchen to handle that? Do I want a little more char on those vegetables? Yeah, I can put a little more char on those vegetables. I can have the food right when I want it. I don't have to wait for the server. I don't have to go through that 15 minutes of hell of actually having to talk to the other people at the table between when I order and when the food comes out. Because by the time I've ordered the food, now my juices are just flowing in my mouth. I'm just like, oh, where's my food? And then someone wants to talk to me about their day. Shut up. Shut up. I'm waiting for my food. I'll talk to you when I'm done eating. Because I came here for A, food, B, drink, and C, your company in that order. A lot to unpack there. Uh, one, who are you going to dinner with that you dislike so much that you don't want to have any conversation with them? It's not about who. It's not about the person that's there. It's about the fact that once we get to the point where I've looked at the menu, I've decided what I want, I've ordered it, 
Now my brain goes into this zone where the only thing I'm focused on is when is that food getting to the table? And everything else that we're doing in between is just something to fill up the time. I don't want to have to pretend that I'm paying attention to your conversation. I want my food. And so that's a great time, by the way, to have a fake phone call, go to the bathroom, uh, you know, and then once you have your food and you're sated and you feel wonderful again, now I'll talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. I am ready to be the best company you've ever had. I agree with you. I don't mind cooking my own food, and I think he's putting it the wrong way. It's a neat experience. What do you favor? Korean barbecue? The uh, Is it that, what is it? Shabu, shabu. Is, is that the soup? You're chucking stuff in, in like, boiling hot I mean, it's, it's, or, it's, yeah, or, Japanese or, version. Or are you going with, like, a fondue? Hmm. Oh, boy. Fondue's a little creepy to me. Fondue's a little creepy. Like, you know at some point someone's going to double dip. Yeah. Someone's going to put something in there twice, and I'm going to have to look at them and wonder why we have a friendship in the first place, and that's going to just be awkward for everybody involved. I want to go back to either Korean barbecue or or you find the right place to do it, and I'm not saying any of our local businesses who are all fine establishments who should do business with Lotus Broadcasting are getting this wrong, but we need a real Mongolian grill. A real Mongolian grill. Dangerous, Adam. Want- Dangerous you candy. work that you work that giant bowl and you have them put it onto that giant hot slab and then not only does your food come out delicious in about five minutes time, but you also don't have to talk to anybody while you're waiting for it. Why is the objective of everyone on Cofield and Company to minimize conversation except for Willie? Willie will go as long as you want him to. But it seems like everyone on the show just wants to minimize all conversation, just reduce it to nothing. Hey, I love our conversations, Cofield. I mean, we, we, we just talk to a bunch of people who we think are listening to us. We have no idea if they give a damn. We have no idea if they care. If someone's across from me at a table, I know theoretically they at least want to be there with me. And I don't want I can't handle that pressure. Number four. Will the Knights management love conversation with Ottawa? problem is it, it it gets lost in translation you know it, trying to speak right? canadian is not the same as speaking english right is that what this is it's a lost in translation situation with the no trade list which is now turned into a major major i'm not going to say a beef it probably is a beef the danoff is gone but he's not when are we getting a resolution what the hell is happening yeah, Dodonoff was, according to Gary Lawless, scratched tonight from the Golden Knights lineup. There's a shocker. We tried to send you out for nothing but a second-round pick and some cap relief, and you're still here, but uh, do us a favor. Don't suit up tonight. So that's Evgeny Dodonoff, who theoretically was traded to Anaheim yesterday by the Golden Knights. But now we don't know, right, Gofield? We don't know. Does he have a no-trade clause? He says he does. The Ottawa Senators think he does why does Ottawa matter well that's where the Golden Knights got Dodonoff from earlier this year so I should say last year actually so they got him over the summer he had no trade clause nobody here seems to know about it and one of those teams that he's not allowed to be traded to apparently we haven't had anybody confirm this but apparently is the Anaheim Ducks where the Golden Knights tried to send him yesterday so if you're a Golden Knights fan sitting around saying to yourself all right trade deadline Leonard's heard. Are we going to go get some hope for our goaltenders? 
oh, I don't know, we're a little thin on the blue line right now. See if we can figure out a way. Golden Knights always work some cap magic. They'll work some cap magic again. Well, they actually went reverse cap magic, and it didn't work either. Number three. Knights in the peg, uh, just starting out about a minute and 20 seconds into the game. It's scoreless so far. Has not been a good run for Vegas Golden Knights of late. And then they get the news yesterday. Maybe it's good news based on the way Marc-Andre Fleury has played with Chicago. He gets dealt to Minnesota, a possible opponent in the NHL playoffs. And I haven't talked to anyone who covers the Knights, roots for the Knights, who isn't down with a potential VGK Minnesota series, Leonard against Math, Math against Golden Knights management. This could be freaking outstanding. I'm I'm so here for this. I am absolutely 100% here for Mark Andre Fleury revenge tour against the Golden Knights. Um, even if you don't believe in Alan Walsh and Twitter and how people find out about trades, it's a wonderful storyline. Mark Andre Fleury goes to Minnesota. By the way. Thanks for screwing us, Wild, and not putting in Marc-Andre Fleury last night. He was there in plenty of time. He did the pregame press conference. And you give us Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot! When you could have had Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, now what's interesting for me is Marc-Andre Fleury's stats are kind of middling this year, right? All the advanced numbers kind of put Marc-Andre Fleury right in the middle of the pack coming off his Vezina Trophy for the Golden Knights last year. But keep something else in mind. Minnesota is a great shot suppression team in a way that Chicago is not. They're going to do for Marc-Andre Fleury in front of him what the Golden Knights used to do for Marc-Andre Fleury, which was stop a lot of shots that before they ever get to him. That's a great one-two that Minnesota has now with Fleury and Cam Talbot. And the only thing that's disappointing to me, Cofield, is that we didn't get to see Marc-Andre Fleury stick it to the Golden Knights last night. Number two. Devontae Adams' press conference. We'll get to some of what he said in just a couple of minutes. But, uh, Candy, you're you're getting your first chance to react to the big deal that went down at the end of last week. I saw ESPN, one of their lead football guys, stat cruncher, analytics dude in Barnwell, said, uh, you know, exciting, but maybe not the best use of resources. Where are you on the deal? If you're excited about Devontae Adams, don't listen to the next minute or so here because I am not here to rain on your parade. If you're a fan and you get Devontae Adams, be excited. Be excited. But if you've listened to this show enough, you know I'm going to go into the numbers of this whole thing and say, is it really a guarantee that Devontae Adams is going to be the best wide receiver in the league for the next three years? Because if he's not, there's a lot about this deal that doesn't really help the Raiders. He's getting paid as the highest paid non-quarterback in the league for the next at least year now granted the cap hit this year is not that bad right talking about a single digit cap hit about eight million dollars he fits very well and if the raiders can make some noise this year god bless because if they do it against this division they will have proven me as wrong as is humanly possible but not only did they give Devontae adams a top of the market contract that pays him as the best wide receiver in the league, as the best non-quarterback in the league, they also gave up their first and second round picks this year. And for a team that has as many holes remaining on the offensive line and the secondary as the Raiders have, that is a dangerous game to be playing. The Bill Barnwell article suggests that the value of those picks is about $5 million, and you can't ignore 
the value of the picks when it comes to this trade. Any more than you could ignore the value of not hitting on the picks in the Khalil Mack trade during the John Gruden era. So now we take that into account and say, are you essentially giving Devontae Adams the equivalent of $27 million this year? That's the average value of the contract. So maybe this year it doesn't hurt you, right? Maybe this year you have Chandler Jones for a low number, you have Devontae Adams for a low number. Maybe my concern, which is that you still have the fourth best roster with the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West, won't come up and bite the Raiders this year. How about next year? Because the bill always comes due. And next year, that cap hit changes just a bit. Devontae Adams next year will cost the Raiders the equivalent of $30.5 million on the cap. Chandler Jones, 19.4. Max Crosby, 20.4. Colton Miller, 17.6. And that's without Derek Carr making what is going to be a very large number. That was about $90 million in cap on a 200-something million dollar cap. So you're looking at roughly 40% next year taken up on those guys. Now look, you can always restructure. You can always figure out ways to make it less painful. But ask yourself this, if you're a Raiders fan and you want sustained success, does trading for Devontae Adams make this team any better than a wild card contender right here and right now? For me, the answer is no. Number one. Devontae Adams meeting with the media today. He talked about the added receiver depth and him potentially taking some of the attention away from Darren Waller defensively. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll play both ways. Um, you know, it'll definitely help me. I mean, you can kind of pick your poison. I was just talking to Josh. I said, kind of run into the situation where that the Chiefs have now. It's like, who are you going to double? You're going to double Tyreek? Well, 200 going to Kelsey. You want to double Kelsey? Then you already know how that's going to go on Tyreek's end. So pick your poison. It'll be anybody's day. I'm, I'm a secure wide receiver, so at the end of the day, I know what I bring. There you go. Uh, Derek Carr will be under no pressure to have to get the ball to just Devontae Adams. I told Derek, don't feel any pressure to force me to ball, nothing. We don't have to try to please the media, please the, you know, anybody. Let's just go out there and do this thing like how we did before. I mean, put together a pretty good uh, resume in college together. This ain't college, but we, we still got that connection. So looking forward to putting it on display. If Devontae Adams does not break Tim Brown's season catch record, I will be livid. There will be a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. Very mad. Very I'm mad. angry. I'm already angry. Devontae Adams hasn't had enough catches yet. I'm angry. Let's go. Get some reception. More catches way. in that Southern Highlands Park. Let's get going already. Zay Jones ain't coming through that door, buddy. Far away places, you can bet. Uh, Devontae Adams over under the season. Receptions, 109 and a half. 109 and a half. I think the record is Tim Brown with 104. That's a high over. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, that's not a, and that's no slight at all to Devontae Adams. That's a, a statement about the quality of the rest of this offense. It's going to get spread around more than that. You would think. You would think. Um, media also asking Devontae Adams what it's like to be part of a great sports city with a bunch of organizations uh, you know, already residing here and coming to town. It's, it's obviously a, it's an honor to, to, to be in a, a place like this where you're surrounded by a lot of good players just on this team, let alone, you know, you got the, the Knights, I believe. Um, it's, it's a bunch of organizations out here now, so it's a lot, lot more crowded sports-wise than what Green Bay was. I think we, uh, we had just the Packers out there, but it's, it's awesome, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There you go. I don't think he's familiar yet with the 700 teams we have here in Vegas now. I'm not even familiar with all of it. I, I have to get out to a Nighthawks game soon. I heard that was a hoot.
I was actually walking up the block around my house toward the Nighthawks game. And let me tell you something. In my neighborhood, like actually at the elementary school in my neighborhood, people were parking at the school to oh, walk up man. to the DLC to go check out the uh, the Nighthawks. I mean, come on uh -oh, now, folks. Very impressive. Issues. Parking issues from the DLCC. Are you going to... Are you going to go up to, uh, what's that app? Is it next door? Are you going to start taking pictures of people, their license plates? Let's get uh, HPD out here. Come on now. Oh, my God. I, I am not going to just derail this broadcast, but the next door people all need help. Serious, serious help. Adams also talked about, God, we got to get to these cuts. We're dying. Uh, he also talked about comparing Green Bay, where they don't have a parking issue, with a indoor football team comparing Green Bay to Sin City. Just driving up and down, seeing just, just the, the difference in, in the, the city um, of, of Las Vegas versus Green Bay. It's, it's like going from East Palo Alto, then going to Green Bay, you know, switching it up in, in that right. So a little bit of a culture shock in, in reverse, I guess, but looking forward to it. Endless opportunities out here and uh, definitely looking forward to taking advantage of all of it. Culture shock, yes. Yes, Green Bay little different than Las Vegas. A little different. Slightly. I don't want to make Ari mad. Can I keep talking, or, or are there more cuts that we have to get to? You have uh, you have his permission. He's good to go. Okay. Because Ari, Ari, I mean, There's Ari no looks like a man who has not had an Arby's fish sandwich in weeks. Like That man looks like he has been deprived of the best in fish. Let's come back, address what Devonta Adams is saying, and also tell you about the beginning of the press conference where he did talk about the key to his decision, uh, why he bolted on Green Bay, maybe it's not because he dislikes Aaron Rodgers. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company. Hi, Wilbon. What was your reaction to Phil Mickelson's apology? It was a wow. Um, you don't hear celebrity or sports Apologies like this very often. I, I thought it was completely sincere and probably very necessary that Phil come back after Rory McIlroy was like uh, Ali in the ring and he was Cleveland Big Cat Williams and Rory the other day just knocked out Phil. I mean, he called him lazy and stupid, the comments. He just, I think, for whatever it means to people, it sounded sincere to me. Yikes. I don't know if there's been some slippage over the years, but uh, I don't know anyone who thought that Phil Mickelson's apology for his Saudi Arabia golf thing, like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, they I mean, they kill people and maim people, but it's a means to an end. Uh, you know, the PGA, we got to get them. Uh, now, thanks to ESPN and PTI, now, Candy, we find out that Phil Mickelson is not playing in the Masters. For unannounced reasons. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange that Phil doesn't want to be out there answering questions this week? That's very, very interesting to me, Steve. I can't imagine that a guy who... Let me give you a little insight from covering golf as a, uh, as a professional writer years ago. Uh, Phil Mickelson with the cameras on is a very different human being than Phil Mickelson with the cameras off. So I have my reasons to doubt sincerity. Yeah. That's why I was so shocked. That was an old clip from... Uh... ESPN from whatever it was six weeks ago and I'm like wow did he say he thought it was sincere and he doubled down on it come on but that's 
that's the effect that Phil Mickelson has had on people over the years. He has bullcrapped millions and millions and millions of people into believing that he is a truly likable guy. I mean, look, like I said, when the cameras are on, Phil Mickelson will charm the pants off you. And I'll tell you, we, the ink-stained wretches, knew damn well that as soon as he was done with the TV interview, it was going to be one hell of a challenge with Phil. (laughs) So we were uh, going back to today's Devontae Adams press conference, and I thought it was uh, interesting at the beginning. You know, He brought up the fact that his family just has not been able to see him play in person. And, Candy, that was a big part of his decision to be closer to home. And, obviously, he grew up, you know, in the area where the Raiders used to reside. So there's already a tie there. He played college football at Fresno with Derek Carr. But he mentioned that his family and proximity was really important. He did. He talked about his grandparents, talked about his father, talked about the fact that he's looking for an overall quality of life here with his family. And you know what? Good on Devontae Adams because we know there's more to it than just football and just getting paid. Yes, the Raiders gave him the contract, but come on, he's Devontae Adams. Someone would have paid him. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Right now, Adam Hill takes us behind the patch with the latest on the Raiders on Cofield and Company. All right, rip off the patch. Open the wallets. The players are coming for the Raiders. Raiders, Devontae Adams introduced today. They just signed. It came down a couple minutes ago. Another receiver. Speed would be the key on that one. Adam Hill is here. Adam's been covering the Raiders all day long. We'll get to a little uh, night stuff as well. Right now, the Knights are in the peg trying to uh, get some good things going. It's still scoreless with five minutes left in the first. Adam, what's going on, buddy? Brother, still waiting on the first Winnipeg shot on goal in that game. Uh, I want to get to the Knights in a couple of minutes, but uh, the, the Raiders just signed Demarcus Robinson. Yeah, another addition to the room. I know uh, when you saw uh, you know the the story come down, the Raiders signed another wide receiver. I know what the rumors out there today have been. Uh, so people may be a little bit disappointed it was not OBJ that joined the Raiders. It was Demarcus Robinson, but uh, certainly another another deep threat, a guy who's been effective in the red zone as well for the Chiefs. Played in every game uh, for the last six years that he's been in Kansas City, so uh, durable. Uh, that's that's probably an, an edge for him as well. Uh, hasn't put up, like, you know, earth-shattering stats, but he's had some games here and there. I know some inconsistencies. You know, he had four catches for 76 yards in the first playoff game, and then no catches on four targets the last two playoff games. So kind of an up-and-down career a little bit for the Chiefs. Uh, obviously, he was expendable with all the weapons they have, uh, but I think a nice addition as a depth receiver for the Raiders. Biggest impression that Devontae Adams made to you? Uh, he's a pro. I mean, there's no question about that. I know, you know, some of the some of the silliness that's been involved and some of the splashy Raiders free agency, you know, receiver signings in the past wasn't involved today. I think you saw, you know, a very mature guy, a guy who um, is, you know, very happy to be in this organization. Talked about his lifelong fandom of the Raiders. Uh, always wanted to be here, and um, you know, was sure to obviously. Uh, you know, speak very highly of the team he left behind, the organization, and the quarterback that he left behind in Green Bay. But um, it was very clear that he's wanted to play for the Raiders and wanted to play with his old friend Derek Carr, and he made that happen. And I, I don't think he was going to go out and, you know, it, it'd be like bombastic about like, yeah, I wanted to get out of there. I wanted to be like he just said, hey, I've, lo- I've loved it here, and there was an opportunity to get myself here. 
uh, and play with the Raiders. He, he also talked about, um, you know, a better place for his family, uh, Vegas over Green Bay, which I liked very much, of course. And, um, and he's had, you know, he's had some health issues in his family. Uh, you know, talked about, you know, his grandparents have, have had some medical issues and, um, doesn't want to be that far away from them again. They're up in the Bay Area. They're, they're not far away from here in, in Vegas. It's a much easier trip if he has to go up there than it would be, you know, try to figure out a way out of Green Bay and get out there. So, uh, a lot of reasons I think that he really, really wanted to be in Las Vegas. So, Adam, I know he didn't directly address Aaron Rodgers in any way, but from the reporting you've done, from what you've heard, et cetera, et cetera, is there anything to the idea that Devontae Adams did not want to play with Aaron Rodgers anymore? The sore subject, Adam, for me. I was waving my arms trying to ask the question, and uh, I was I, after it was over, I was like, really? Nobody? Nobody is going to ask about Aaron Rodgers? Really? That's how we're going to do this? Uh, okay, wonderful. So, yeah, a sore subject uh, for me that I kind of blew up in the media room about. Um, but, yeah, he, did, he didn't address it. He just said, you know, he said he had uh, he has the trust of Derek Carr, and he knows that on the field, and he said that's something that he's had in his whole career, playing with Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, no, it, it wasn't – he really kind of – I don't want to say evaded the question about, you know, him kind of forcing his way to Vegas. Uh, he just said this is something that he wanted. He never had an opportunity in his career to kind of decide where he was going to go, and this is just where he wanted to be. So um, I think the easy thing to say, just kind of on assumption and, and kind of background of what you know about him, is that, yes, he he could have played you know another year or two potentially with Aaron Rodgers, and however long Aaron Rodgers decides to stay, maybe it's just one more year. And if he gets locked up to a deal in Green Bay, if he signs a long-term extension there, he knows that on the horizon at some point, whether it's a year or two years, Aaron Rodgers is going to leave. That's going to be a rebuild, and I don't think he wanted to tie himself to that situation for very long. And he certainly didn't want to play on a franchise tag with no guaranteed money. Uh, so I think it all made sense from that perspective to come uh, to Las Vegas. But I do absolutely want to know at some point, uh, how much he kept Aaron Rodgers in the loop that his decision was going to be to come to Las Vegas because it's very clear that as soon as the season ended, he made up his mind. He was going to force his way to Las Vegas. Well, Adam, if it makes you feel any better or less sore, I was sitting there watching the presser with it running through my head of like, we're going to go through this whole thing and not talk about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Huh? But oh, hey, we did, be, we did manage to work in some questions about how did he feel when he saw his jersey in the locker room, even though he hadn't seen his jersey in the locker room. So hey, we got it all covered there. Um, sure. The Raiders have addressed a major position of need in wide receiver. Adam, what do you sense is still left for this team to do this offseason to deal with any other holes that they have? Well, I mean, I think it's offensive line depth, no question. I mean, I, I would think offensive line starters, uh, but at this point, you know, they, they, they're kind of running it back with the, the, the getting the band back together from last year on the offensive line. Uh, but you would hope that they would find somebody, whether it's through the draft, whether there's a late addition free agency. They've got a little bit of flexibility left with the cap that they could sign somebody. Um, obviously, you know, Big Fish uh, went off the market today. That wasn't going to happen uh, with the Raiders. But, um, you know, I, I think finding a couple of guys here and there uh, that you can plug in and, and trust on the offensive line is going to be very important. Um, because you've got all these weapons now. You've got all the assets you want uh, from the skill positions. The quarterback, the backfield, you're loaded at running back. You're pretty deep at wide receiver now. Obviously, at tight end, you've got a bunch of depth as well and the stars at the top. So, I mean, they've got everything they could want on offense except, you know, a top-line offensive line. Now, I have seen the counter that said, hey, the Bengals didn't have an offensive line last year. They were worse than the Raiders were. They made it work, uh, which is true. So, I mean, you can make it work, but I think this is a team that wants to line up and, 
um, you know, be more explosive on offense, and, and you're going to have to be able to block a little bit and at least hold up in pass protection to make that happen with all the weapons that you have. So I think adding to that offensive line is key. And then certainly I like what they've done with their cornerbacks. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job of kind of rebuilding that a little bit. But I think you want, you know, potential – you know, guys that can develop at that position as well into, you know, future stars. So I think you invest there in the draft in like a, a you know, a deeper round corner that you think has upside uh, because they, they do have, I think, I think they're pretty good in the starting lineup at corner, at least good enough, but I think you want depth there. Uh, and I think always it's important, no matter how good you are at corner, to, to build depth there. So uh, I think that offensive line and, and secondary is going to be where they address uh, either in the draft or late here in this free agency process, or you know, right before the season, there's always guys that you know get cut or have held out and haven't decided if they're going to sign yet. Um, there's always an opportunity to attack if you have a little bit of flexibility on the cap. Going behind the patch with Adam Hill, part of the company, part of the RJ. Well, that's his main gig. Covers the Raiders. I've been reading since last Monday from uh, various, uh, um, I'll be gentle, real media and then bloggers uh, huh. that. Stephon Gilmore was close. Every day we're getting an update. I just got off the phone with this. Oh, it's real close. They're really trying. Good news on like what happened. What's happening? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, again, real information is going to be tough to come by with this. Um, you know, with this administration, um, even you know, I think uh, it's it's been very interesting to me that you know things aren't really even leaking out to you know the the big time national reporters that have the TV deals that are kind of locked them, locking them into information. Um, that's not even really coming out until things actually happen with the Raiders. So I think you can tell that this administration is not talking a whole lot. Uh, things about players, especially Stephon Gilmore specifically, sometimes we ask about, I think are just coming from a lot of different people connecting dots and trying to guess uh, on this situation. Um, there's been things like people putting out, there's a big deal very close. Well, I mean, then you can go back and say, no, I'm at this deal. Or I'm at this deal, like without actually saying it. But firm reporting on Stephon Gilmore hasn't really happened. I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, it's a need. Um, it's, a, it's a staff that obviously has a lot of familiarity with him. It makes a lot of sense from that standpoint. And I think, you know, players like Devontae Adams talked about today, players want to be a part of this AFC West. Like, it's fun. And, and I think it would make some sense in that regard. Um, but I think that's a lot of guessing and a lot of conjecture of what's going on with that situation. I'm hearing good things on the trade front with the Golden Knights. That's an example right there. Sure. What the what hell does, that, does mean? that mean? So yeah, exactly. So okay, what to the best of your knowledge, what exactly happened here with the Danoff? Is it Ottawa's fault? Can the NHL do anything? Did Golden Knights management screw this up? I mean, listen, it's hilarious to me that I'm now being accused by some people of being a Golden Knights homer, which is funny. Um, I It is my belief, honestly, and I listen, we don't know. It can come out that it's completely wrong. We don't know. It's my belief that the Golden Knights are at almost zero fault in this situation. Now, who's at fault? I mean, I think you can blame Ottawa. I think you can blame his agent. Um, the league at some point, perhaps... And maybe it does come out that the Golden Knights are at fault, and, and and we, you know, there's something that we don't know about. But what it seems like is he had a somebody who's doing really, really dumb motorcycle tricks outside the Raiders facility right now, which is looks extremely dangerous. Um, Why is Antonio Brown still there? It is not him. Uh, oh, that was okay. terrifying, though. Somebody was up on one wheel at like 80 miles an hour on a motorcycle. Um, that was very distracting. So, no, it, it sound, what it sounds like happened is that the Donoff had a no-trade clause, and part of his no-trade clause was that 10 teams every year 
he could name uh, on July 21st, I believe the date is, before the season starts, and he could name 10 teams and say, I'm not, I don't want to be traded to these 10 teams. Now, that date was before he was traded to the Knights. So he would have had to submit the list to Ottawa. Ottawa would have then put it in the NHL, you know, database of, you know, he's got this no-trade clause to these teams. Now, you would think his agent would have to make sure that that was in. Reports today are that those that paperwork was in, and either Ottawa didn't file it or the league didn't recognize it or nobody checked that it was there, and certainly it wasn't passed on to Vegas. So, you know, he gets traded yesterday, and then all of a sudden his agent's like, whoa, 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 he has a no-trade clause, no Anaheim. And because this trade happened after the trade deadline, there's no time to kind of go through and, you know, fix it. It, it. By after the trade deadline, you have to submit the trade paperwork to the league by the trade deadline. But there's a several hours where they're still processing those deals. And they don't get to them. So, that you know, if it was done a day before, you could have gone through and said, well, he has a no trade clause and argued it out. But because it was kind of done after the deadline, now they're figuring it out. I think the easy thing to do would be go, to go back and say, all right, this trade was voided, it doesn't happen, and we can just move on. But because it's after the deadline, that really puts those teams that made that deal in a, in a really bad position, that being the Knights and the Ducks, especially the Knights, because they're a team that has playoff aspirations. The league doesn't want to do that because now you're really screwing over the Knights by doing this when the Knights may not have been at fault at all that this went down. So there's a lot of moving pieces. I think that's why it's taking so long. The league can't do the easy thing which is just say the, the deal is off, they might eventually, but it's really tough for them to do that because you're scoring over a team that probably wasn't at fault in this. Scoreless, the Knights are at the end of one against the Winnipeg Jets. Shots 17-4 to four in favor of the Golden Knights. Adam covers a lot of things around Las Vegas, including the UFC. Now, I'm sure I'm the only one who is beating this drum kind of jokingly, but I'm actually serious on... Chandler Jones to the Raiders means more John Jones in Las Vegas. Oh, my God. That's scary. Um, You know, you were heavily involved in reporting on the last John Jones incident uh, where he was alleged to have terrorized his wife and kids and headbutted a car. Chael Sonnen, we're finding out now, is in some trouble for some sort of Vegas. I mean, the allegations here, did he fight five people? Six. Um, so this story came out several months ago. I, I, so I know, I know a lot of people were kind of sending me emails saying, didn't we already hear about this? We did. It came out several months ago that this fight happened. Um, there's some discrepancy of which property it was. Uh, I had heard it was at the Four Seasons. Today the reports at the Luxor. Um, maybe he was staying at one and the incident happened at the other. That could be the confusion. Uh, but either way, this incident happened in December. And it was big news at the time that this had happened, that it had taken place. And it became kind of legendary in the MMA world that Chael Sonnen had beat up five dudes and, and a, a potentially, you know, as, as awful as it sounds, a woman. So six people in all that had been battered by Chael Sonnen. The, the investigation was dropped, no charges filed in January. So everybody kind of moved on from it and said, okay, well, this is nothing. They must have found nothing. Uh, I guess Chael Sonnen's story, which, by the way, wasn't told by Chael Sonnen. It was told by Brendan Schaub on his podcast and said, hey, here's what happened with Chael Sonnen, which was... Chelsea was at a property in Las Vegas. There was a group of people who were harassing his wife. Um, uh, some allegations that there was some groping of his wife as well uh, in this situation and just making really, really lewd comments about the appearance of his wife, Brittany, uh, on property. Uh, I would say, listen, I'm just saying 
you know, on speculation, probably not a great idea to harass the wife of an MMA fighter. Uh, and apparently he went nuts, um, went after them and was banging on a door and said, come on out here, you know, you're going to pay the price for this, and took on a whole group of people uh, on the property. He was taken off the property. He was not arrested at the time. Uh, and like I said, there was no charges. The charges were dropped in January, but they were dismissed without prejudice, uh, which is a legal term that I know we can learn from Justin, which apparently means you can re-bring up charges at some point down the road. And that has happened now. Uh, charges filed uh, 10 misdemeanors and a felony um, that have been filed against Joe Sonnen in this incident. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot more about what went on here. Adam, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later in the week. Yes, sir. Sounds good. There is Adam Hill from the RJ part of the company. So we'll follow that story involving an MMA well, former MMA fighter, current MMA announcer with ESPN. Caller 7 right now, concert tickets, Incubus, this Friday, Virgin Hotels, 364-1100, 7 o'clock show, it's at the theater, at Virgin, AXS.com is where you can get your own tickets. But right now, talk to Ari. He is at the ticket window, giving away two of them, 364-1100, Caller 7. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Little NBA here to close out with. Um, Candy, last night, Sixers decide to rest their big stars. Funny enough, they actually win the game anyway, without Embiid and Harden. And on ESPN, they got into the discussion about, you know, big-name players sitting out, but especially with the Sixers, here's Tim Legler. What did you think of that decision for those guys not to play last night? I hate it. I mean, I'm not, I really do because, I, again, it's disrespectful to the league, to the fans, and it renders the regular season meaningless with as many games as guys miss. I guess rest is the almighty in this league, and that's all that really matters. So I'm disgusted by it because I think fans that wanted to go down and see that game last night and anticipated it for a long time didn't get to see their two stars play. True, it does suck for the fans, but when you start out a statement, I guess rest is the almighty. I mean, in a way it is because the the playoffs are what matters, and if Harden and Embiid get a little bit of rest, and I'm sorry it's on the same night, do you have another side to this that I'm missing? Look, man, the, the thing of it is the regular season is being devalued everywhere. It's not just the NBA, right? It bugs me in the NBA when we see a night like this. But it also bugs me in Major League Baseball that we're about to see the stupid ghost runner come back, right? It, it, talking about games that happen in the regular season as games that don't matter to the league. I thought the NBA was cracking down on these rest issues. I thought they were cracking down on stars not playing at the same time. But that's how not what's happening. How could you do it? I'm, hey... Right, you I'm can't. with you. You can't. I'm. I understand how difficult it is, and if we want to talk about optimizing players for the playoffs and teams winning a championship, it's very hard to stop. But if you're Legler, why not be upset? Why I don't understand why this is such a, an issue that we can't come up with some form of solution to Cofield. I get it; it's hard, but it seems to me that it's in the best interest of the league to still make the regular season worthwhile for the fans who go to the games. It is, but, you know, then you don't want to hear in, you know, six weeks, two months that James Harden ran out of gas. 
as he appears to have done in several series at the end of the series. So I don't know if one game off in you know late March is going to make the biggest difference, but you can't tell people how to run their organizations and you can't tell them how to manage playing time. Now, while you're on it, get in the bag again. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I friggin' hate the Ghost Runner. I hate it. And just tracking it today on Twitter, I saw someone write up that this was you know, vehemently supported by the player side. Is that true? Here's what I think would be vehemently supported by the players. Pitchers not blowing out their arms in April because games are going on all the way to the 16th inning. Problem is, that doesn't really happen very often. right? Those are the outliers. And so... I can't believe I'm going to swallow my pride and say this. I despise the Ghost Runner, but with a shortened spring training this year, if this is the last year that we have to deal with it, I can live with it because I don't want players getting hurt. But it's just another reason to look at bad Bobby and be mad at what he did to this season already. Rob Manfred, your captor. Hit me again! Rob, I deserve it. I deserve, I've been a bad fan, Rob. Hit me harder. You smack me with that ghost runner right across my dirty face. I deserve it. All coming right. back you, to you time and time again. Every time you screw with this game, I come back again. I'll be in the stands. I I'll more. be there. I'll be on your leash. Walk me right back into the stadium, Bobby. Here I go. I want more, Mommy. I want more. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey. That's a that's I, a whole different I, thing. That, not creepy. I went I went full uh, I went to yeah, I went full billions somewhere there. else. My bad. Hello. Hello. Well, I was going to go down my my own path of I can't believe I'm going to say this, but uh, maybe baseball needs to look at the NHL and the way they handle ties and points and then I'll have no idea what place anyone is in Major League Baseball.